0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This podcast, a come follow me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler.
1: We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome. This is Don't Miss This. We're so excited y'all are here with us. Today we are talking about these chapters: Matthew twenty-seven, Mark fifteen, Luke twenty-three, John nineteen. Um, these cover the uh, the crucifixion, the trial and crucifixion of Jesus, and um, kind of some heavy chapters. But we can promise you a happy ending oh. at the end <laughs> of the lesson. Because right, I
1: only like happy endings. Yeah. So
0: that is true. I I built one in for you.
1: I think God did.
0: God built in a happy ending for all of us. Okay, thank you. So. Um, we are going to kind of jump right into this, and just set the scene a little bit first. Um, last week we ended with Jesus being arrested mm-hmm. um,
1: in Gethsemane, and now we're going to go back into the city.
0: And we talked about a map last time, and you might mm-hmm. again want to look about like where he's traveling. Keep in mind, Wednesday night he spends with his friends um, in Bethany. Probably the last night he sleeps in mortality. Thursday is the Passover Last Supper.
1: He's up all night. Gethsemane. There's gonna be the trial and all of those things, the all whipping, the, the scourging, all those things are and, going on. You know, day. and
0: as you read it, like there's not much detail there, but remember that the Romans were masters of of torture. So it seems as if the gospel writers are reverently silent on the night that Jesus spends in their prison places. Um and so that's all through and then a couple illegal trials on Friday, you can follow that in the maps and just see where he is just Marched all over the city starting in the early hours of the morning. Um, Interestingly, his crime that he's now punishable Mm. by death is um, Mm. sedition, right? That he's going to try and take over, claims himself the king. Um, That's what they're going to use with the Roman government. But in in the Jewish courts, he's going to be accused of blasphemy um, for claiming that he is God. Um, That's what they're going to charge him on, ironically. So...
1: We went through the whole trial scene and there, all the trials, all that night, and there is just one part um, that stands out to us as one of our favorite parts of this really hard, hard night. I'm going to be in um, Mark 15, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about this part of the story. Um, It's when Jesus is with Pilate and he's wanting to... Um, release him he and he saying... let's just
0: talk about who Pilate is for a second that pilot is the kind of the governor over um the way that the roman empire worked is they had all these territories that they were owned that were part of the empire but they let them kind of govern themselves but there was a roman you know um, official in the government who was kind of put in that place to oversee that particular region that's the way that the roman empire remained peaceful for Mm -hmm. so many years was they let them in the country kind of do their own thing Um, so Pilate, who doesn't live in jerusalem he lives over on the coast is in jerusalem for the passover feast because this is the hardest job in the whole roman empire because there is so much uprising against the roman government Mm -hmm. that um, he has to be in jerusalem for the festival feast to try and maintain some peace, you know, in there. Mm And um, under Roman law and rule, um, the Jewish government was not allowed to execute a prisoner. They had to have Rome's blessing, Rome's like permission. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're bringing Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor.
1: And it's interesting because now we have Pilate with Jesus and then we've got this crowd of people just... Imagine all of these people who are filling the streets um, right outside. And I think to myself, you remember, we just barely talked about a few weeks ago the triumphal entry and all those same people who filled the streets and who were asking the question, who is this, who is this, and the people who were saying, this is Jesus. And now we're going to have probably those same people, right, are filling those same streets, and you have Pilate. And he looks out to all the people and he says in um, Mark 15, verse 12, and Pilate answered and said unto them, what will ye then that I shall do unto him who you call the king of the Jews? And um, they cried out again, crucify him. And then Pilate said unto them, why? What evil hath he done? And I love just pausing. at at that question right there. And I just want you to think for a minute. Think over the past three years. Um, We have had the opportunity since January to really go through and look at Jesus's life in detail. We have watched him go from place to place, the places he walked, the places where he sat and ate, the homes where he visited, the places where he was, the people who he was with. And I want you to think over the past three years. If you had to put together a list of the evil he had done in those three years, what would be on your list? What What can you think of um, that you would have called evil? And surely those people who were in that crowd had heard of all of the things that Jesus had done. And I think or, to myself, or
0: been some of those people,
1: right? Or, or could like, have even we don't been even know some if of some people. of those people were there. And I think. You know, if Pilate had said, I'm gonna call up here 15 witnesses to testify of the evil you have done, um, who would they have called? And and I think to myself, you know who I wish they would have called? I wish they would have called the woman who touched his robe. And I wish they would have called the father in Mark 9 who brought his son to the Lord. And I wish they would have called the Gentile woman who said she would even take a crumb from him. Um, And what about the leper? Should they have brought the leper? And what about the blind man in John 8? And you just start going through and thinking, if they had just lined up those people, and then said, you tell, you be a witness for what he has done the past three years. Can you imagine what those people would have said? What about Lazarus? Should we end with Lazarus? Because you just want to go through, the man at the gatherings, Um, You know, you may want to take some time tonight because this will be the end of the ministry of Christ. We will have one more lesson. I think it would be really tender after this video to take some time and let your kids talk about who are the witnesses of Christ that we have come to know in these weeks since January, and what have we learned about His character, and what have we learned about who he is and what he does. What about the woman caught in adultery? I mean, can you imagine each of those people coming to Pilate and saying, let me tell you what he did for me. And let me tell you what he did for this one and for this one.
0: Right. You can't, I want to be in the crowd, you know, like I want to be standing in there and for Pilate to stand up and be like, what evil hath he done? You know, it's like, give me the microphone, Mm -hmm. you know, let me tell you about the night he saved my life. You know, let me tell you about the second chance he gave me.
1: But, what me, about Cheris? Right. Let me tell you about me, when he raised my daughter.
0: Right. There, it, that is such a great question as to use as a, just to look back mm-hmm. o, o, over these three years. Why should we crucify him? What evil hath he done? Or, or rephrase it for him and say, what good has Jesus done?
1: And I think each of us are gonna come to a point in our life, and maybe several times, where we choose Jesus or we turn our back on Jesus. And um, probably all of us in our homes know someone who has been faced with that choice and has chosen one or the other. And that's reality. That is the world that we live in. That is the life that we live in. And I think it is so important to realize as we are reading through Mark 15, this is a time of choosing. This is a time of picking sides. This is a time of saying, I will believe in Jesus Christ or a turning away from that belief and crucifying him. And we watch that happen. And another part that we just love is in this very same chapter. If you were with us for the Easter videos, you know we love this part. And I'm just gonna barely touch on it. Um, If you want more about this week, you can go back to LDS Living. Um, on their YouTube site and watch all of these people's um, experiences with Christ. But one that is tender to us is Simon, who is a Cyrenian. And we're going to read in Mark 15, verse 21. There is a phrase I want you to see. It happens twice in this chapter. It's when Jesus is carrying his cross. This is after that terrible night. He's been beaten. Um, he's, he's got that crown of thorns. His back has been whipped. He's exhausted Um, We don't know the torture he went through or the extent of the torture that we went through, but we know that it happened. And then they want him to carry his cross and he can barely do it. And so the soldiers grab this man out of the crowd, Simon, and they compel him um, to carry the cross. And I love this phrase that we see here. It tells us they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by. Now, I just want you to think about those words for a minute. This is a situation that is taking place And here comes a man who is passing by, and they grab him and tell him to carry the cross of Jesus, and he does. He takes his cross, and he bears that burden. And his two sons watch that experience, and then um, Bible scholars believe they became strong members of the church in that time going forward. Um, But there's another place where we see people passing by, and it's in verse 29. In my scriptures, I have linked these two phrases together because I think it is so important. It says, after they um, put him on the cross, and they write the thing above his head, the king of the Jews, and he's crucified with two thieves, it tells us in verse 27. And then in verse 29, it tells us, and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, You say you destroy the temple and build it in three days save thyself and come down from that cross And there's just two things right there that are so paralleled and the lesson is so good because one passed by And carried the cross, right? He was like this is important. This is an important man This is the most important event that will happen in mortality and I will be a part of it and there was a whole other group that passed by and mocked that and spit on him and told him you come down from that cross right I don't want anything to do with that cross I don't want anything to do with what is happening right now and it is the choice of our existence it's the choice of mortality it's the choice of everything we believe do we accept Jesus who died on the cross for us as our Savior and do we want part with him and will we take up that cross and follow him Or are we the others who pass by who mock that and spit on Him and have no belief in what took place in that moment for all of us? It's just a good time to sit and ponder, um, what does that moment mean to you in your life? And what is the significance of what is happening in these chapters to you? And why is it so significant?
0: Yeah, will I be one that carries the cross or you might say carry his name, or one that wags my head at it, you know. And what's interesting is in this story, too, you have a lot of these other people that um, we didn't mention during Easter week um, that are on here that I think are just kind of somewhere in between. And that's okay, too, you know, for somebody to be... Because I want to say these people who wag their heads at him did not have a chance yet to have a one-on-one experience with him and that's why they're making that's why they're responding you know the way that they do um i
1: love that he's teaching up until the very end of his life right he's giving people a chance to be a part simon joins at right. the very end we're going to watch a centurion join at the very end um, there's going to be people up until the moment he dies That are going to, the thief on the cross, right? Right. Right. Until the very last minute, he is meeting people where they are. And people who are choosing get to have that one-on-one experience. Simon carried the cross. Um, We love the centurion. Um, There's going to be a list of people that you can look at here that are just going to make statements that are are letting you watch people decide what side of the line am I going to stand on.
0: Or rather, where on this journey am I? you yes. know like where where do yep. i where do i fit
1: yeah what do i know of christ um you love um just starting right in verse 26 and then you we're going to go through mark and luke and some other places um how the soldiers wrote right above the cross the king of the jews so there is there statement of who he is of what they well and
0: remember they said he said the sign said you know yeah no remember the jews wanted it to say that yes but they're like but this is his accusation about himself so really they're kind of saying he says he's the king of the jews yeah but we don't know
1: yeah which is what pilate said also you say this is who he is um i love the centurion um at the very end after the vinegar is given and he cries And gives up the ghost and in 38 the veil of the temple is gonna rent in twain and we're gonna talk about that in a minute and then in verse 39 and when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost he said truly this man was the Son of God and you love that even at the very last moment Um, he's still having those one-on-one he's leaving those impressions yeah. With people.
0: And I can't wait to find out the rest of that guy's story. Oh, I know. Don't you want yes, to know what happened Him And, and guy, Malchus, yeah. um,
1: who lost his The guy his who, ear. the ear. Yeah. Know. I want yeah. to know what happened to those guys.
0: You have a thief on the cross. We'll talk about this. This is in Luke chapter 23, verse 41 and 42. One of them rails on him and says, If you're really God, then set me free. You know? And the other one says, He's done nothing wrong. And then actually asks him, you know, for forgiveness. Um, remember me when you come and when you go into your kingdom. And that's interesting that somewhere, either before the cross or hanging on it, that man realized this is a this is a king mm-hmm. who will go into a kingdom, and and knows that everyone else looks at him, and you're like you're you you're the lowest criminal. The crucifixion was the worst form of punishment. It was mm-hmm. for the lowest of criminals, but that thief looks at him in that lowest moment and still recognizes him as uh, as king and we talked
1: about this at Easter but I am just so in love with this thought this year that Jesus was so good at meeting people where they were and um, he met the woman at her well and the daughter of Jairus in her bedroom and he's going to all those places and I love even at the very end um, he meets that criminal where he is he he meets him on his cross and even up in those final hours when he is performing his his most important work he still focuses on the one yeah you know is there someone i can save right now okay let me just stop what i'm doing for a minute and have this conversation because this is important he met the criminal on his cross yeah um and he and he really did meet him there right because they he was on his own and he knew that experience and he just keeps testifying i'll meet you where you are it doesn't matter how bad it is it doesn't matter how dark it is it doesn't matter how much it hurts, I'll meet you in that place.
0: Right. Um, Pilate's wife, you get one spot of her in Matthew 27 where mm-hmm. she just says to, to her husband, L- leave him alone. He's a ju- I had a dream about him, and he's a just man. It's her only interaction with him. It's just interesting that she's just like, I just think he's a good person. So mm-hmm. And I, you love I a woman's witness.
1: I just love another woman's witness right. on this
0: in the grouping. And then, I forgot him on the paper, and he's my best one, um, Barabbas, who's in Luke 23. So there was a tradition, um, a, a kind of a deal between the Roman government and the Jewish nation that at the time of Passover, they would release a prisoner. So um, Pilate does a couple of things to try and like appease the crowd. One of them is he has Jesus whipped 39 times, one short of 40. There was a belief that at 40, somebody would die. And um, hoping that um, him in his just beaten and bruised state, that the people would have compassion on him. That's when he says, behold the man. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, like, look at him. Can't you just let that be? You know? Um, And and then that doesn't work. And one of the things he tries to do is, uh, he brings out the worst prisoner that they have. He's a murderer and a traitor to the country. And he brings him out and his name is Barabbas. And he says, and he lines him up against Jesus. And he says, which one of these should I release? And Barabbas is a, like a man you do not want on the streets of Jerusalem. He is a thug. He mm-hmm. is a low life, right? And the people cry and ask for Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus, you know? And you look at that and you read the story and you're like, put Barabbas back in chains, mm-hmm. you know? Put him back in jail, uh, he should be crucified for his crimes. He's the one who's deserving of it, you know? Yeah. That's who I would be yelling, you know, to put onto the cross. He's the one who's most deserving of it. A kidnapper, a murderer, don't bring him back onto the streets, right? Until you realize, and interesting his name, Barabbas, means son of the father. Isn't that mm-hmm. an interesting name? Yes. Um, but he, uh, when we read that part of the story, we realize, wait a second, I'm Barabbas. Mm-hmm. Jesus is going to take the reason my chains are going to be broken is because he is going to take the place on the cross instead of me, right? All of us are Barabbas. We will be all set sons free, of the father sons of the, son father the Father, set free because Jesus, right? Jesus will be treated the way Barabbas should have been treated so that all of us can be treated like Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And that we're, it's a substitution scene right there in the middle of that. Well, none of that works, as you know. And Pilate washes his hands, which was a symbol of, I, I have nothing to do with this. Elder Maxwell said his hands were never more dirty than the moment that he washed them. But he hands him over, and, and he's taken to Calvary or Golgotha. That's the Greek and Hebrew word. Both mean place of the skull. Um, just so you know, you could run from calvary to the tomb in about 30 seconds like they're really really close the east the the tomb that he's buried in they're really close to each other and he's taken up onto this hill for crucifixion i mentioned this earlier that the romans were masters of of torture and they had just developed this awful way of treating uh, their worst prisoners in the most painful and and embarrassing way you know that they could a lot of times there's um, these pictures of crosses that are really high up in the air and historically, they probably would have only been about six inches off of the ground. That way they're just eye level with people. People could throw things at them or accuse them of things or or spit on them. But Jesus was nailed to the cross, as as you know. And uh, right in the middle of the hands are where all the nerves congregate. Um, and it just would have been so painful um, in your hands and in the nerves in your feet. Oftentimes, a nail was put into the wrist um, to prevent them from uh, ripping their hand out because of the pain um, but because of the nail going through the nerves in the feet that pain uh, was so painful they would um, not want to press on their feet so they would hang and when they would hang their lung cavity would collapse and they couldn't breathe and the only way to breathe was to push off of their feet to open their lung cavity but the pain was so excruciating on the feet that they would just drop back and forth between holding their breath uh, up and down, up and down until finally um, they, they just couldn't, they were exa- so exhausted they couldn't handle it anymore. And so you just have this awful scene, and you get these people who are just closest with them who were there and who followed to the cross. It's unnamed. I, I don't know, but um, that scene is so tender. And, and I, this line from the Book of Mormon, from um, the Book of Jacob, chapter 1, verse 8 the prophet Jacob actually says we would to God that all would believe in Christ and view his death and I think that's such an interesting commission to view his death Mm -hmm. right um to look to that scene on the cross uh to see what you're worth in in his eyes that is the symbol of God's love for the world right there of, of Jesus on the cross and Jacob says we want I want you to view that and 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 to see that um and uh, and and, I was taught earlier on in my life, pointed out in the scriptures, that Jesus makes seven statements uh, on the cross. And he may have made more, mm-hmm. but these are the ones that the gospel writers write, right? Seven statements on the cross. And I think that there is purpose and, and reason behind each of the statements that they, you know, mm-hmm. that they record that he makes. What do they teach about his character? What do they teach about his mission? What do they teach about... You know who the proce- he is. And the yeah.
1: process, right. who he is.
0: All of those things. So I just think that's powerful. Like, what are the seven statements from the cross? And we left a spot for each of them. We'll kind of say a thing or two about each of them, but maybe there's just some more study and exploration, mm-hmm. you know, with each of those that, that you can look at. Um, let's start with this first one, Luke 23, 34. This is probably the most famous line mm-hmm. um, from Jesus on the cross where he says, um, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And uh, that is just, if, if, if He can forgive the Roman soldiers, that just opens the door for anybody to be forgiven. And I love His patience, I love His gentleness, and I love that He assumes and knows the very best mm-hmm. about them.
1: Well, and these messages give us so much hope as we're, as we're looking at each of them. Um, because the first thing we learn is He is a God who forgives. Right. Um, that's the number one thing, that there, um, even in that awful moment, that is the place he goes first, is still to that forgiving.
0: Right, right. The second statement that he makes is in Luke chapter 23, and it's that one with the, with the thief on the cross. When the thief on the cross says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, and Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I love that we worship a God of hope, Mm -hmm. one who in this man's being convicted of his crimes moment when he looks like all else is a disaster and lost, he says, look forward to meeting with me in paradise. Who else in the history of the universe can turn a crucifixion scene into paradise and into hope Mm -hmm. but jesus and
1: and you love that he is still just breathing that hope in right we we see there's going to be forgiveness we see there is a place that we go after we die and that christ um is part of that um which is so hopeful
0: right ignites in that man a change and a belief Mm -hmm. you know that will be ministered to when he moves to the other side of the veil Mm
1: -hmm. his work's not done we love number three Where he's still, it's just loving, right? He can't help it. He's still caretaking. He is still loving. Um, He says, John, here is your mother, right? And he's not going to leave without making sure that his mom is taken care of and watched over. And you love also in that moment that his mom doesn't leave his side. She's there until the very end. And I just, I love that about Mary. I see in her this mother... Um, And and I can't help but wonder every time we get to that part. You know, we read in Luke 2 how Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And in my mind, I'm like, someone should have written that at the end too because I just imagine her watching him on the cross and reliving all of his 33 years, right? All those things that she has kept and she's still just pondering um, what what is this and what does it mean and and you have to think that the spirit was tutoring her and Mentoring her and helping her to understand That this was part of the process of what she knew and what she believed I just I it is so sweet that he remembers his mom,
0: right? Um, a lot of people look at that scene of crucifixion and say Jesus will actually die from a broken heart mm. Medically and, and you can't but think that you know, maybe she almost did too. Mm-hmm. But I love that there he is This has just been indicative of his whole ministry that in the moments when he wanted to turn in He turns outward. Mm-hmm. This is a moment when he should wallow in his own yep. pain and pity. He literally is suffocating you and and he still finds a way to have compassion Um, There is a fantastic talk from Elder Bednar, we'll link it in the newsletter. But at the beginning of it, he quotes this line from Elder Maxwell, and he says, "Um, without the character of Christ, there would have been no atonement of Christ. That only that type of person who's able to turn outward when everything else screams to turn inward. Mm -hmm. And you see that when he's just like dying and thinks someone's got to take care of my mom, and what's interesting is it's just for that moment because mm-hmm. he knows I'm coming back in three days, yeah. but to heal a broken heart in that moment, he still yeah. reaches out for so um, mm-hmm. the fourth one. Is um, um, from Mark fifteen thirty four. It's in other spots too. We get it in I think it's in Mark where it's in Aramaic. Mm-hmm. You know, Eli Elai Lama Sabactani, which means My God, My God, Why hast Thou forsaken me? And we kind of learn in, in this place um, what Jesus came to do, to descend below mm-hmm. all things, even to the point where he would be out of, without the presence of the Father. And I've often always thought about this scene too. It kind of describes what he was paying the price of. What is the penalty of sin? Um, well, it's the spiritual death, which is separation from God. So it seems like in this moment, Jesus is suffering A new. the penalty of separation from God.
1: Understood it, experienced it.
0: Yeah, which kind of, I think, is linked to this one, um, number five in John nineteen twenty eight, which mm-hmm. where he says, I thirst. Uh, literally, I think he is thirsty. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one who created water on day two mm-hmm. has none at that moment. But I also think there's that psalm where it says like a mm-hmm. deer pants for yeah. water. So I, you know, mm-hmm. yearn for, you know, for God. So right after God, why have you forsaken me? says, I, I thirst almost like I need his presence. It's like water to the soul.
1: And it's important this, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me is actually the starting line of a Psalm um, that they would have known. Mm. Um, and I think it's 22, I should have It's 22, it I'm um, almost
0: positive Yeah, it's go there,
1: Psalm 22, I don't have my Bible with me, but um, it's interesting because it. they would have known exactly what he was quoting, they would have known the scriptures well enough. The Psalms for them were like the hymns for us, so um, if I started yeah. singing the first line of a hymn, you could probably finish all the way to the end. And it's a Psalm that is gonna say um, at the end, it's gonna talk about how you, um, they cast lots for his clothing. Um, they part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. Um, and then he's going to say at the very end, and I love this part, um, they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. Mm. And, and what is it? It's this that he, that he had died on the cross. And as soon as he started that phrase, they would have known immediately he had come they had, they he, they had cast lots right they had done to his garments and you go through there you'll see a lot of things they those who knew the scriptures well would have known and i love that it ends with those five words that he hath done this yeah um it's just so symbolic i love also when we read about i thirst in um our number 5 that, that's going to be in john 1929 this is so interesting and so good because it talks about that they give him vinegar on a sponge and in order to get it up to him they use hyssop um, which was um, something that was used at the Passover and it was used for purification um, so so symbolic again of bringing that Passover back into these last final minutes um, that um, it was that purification process and had to do with sacrifice. And again, we just see that symbolism taking place. Of, of
0: what he's come to do, yeah. right? Remember these statements on the cross are teaching who he is and what he's come um, to do. Um, and then number six, um, John nineteen thirty, where he says, uh, Into thy hands I commend my spirit, um, which again is a, a future hope for every single one of us. That one day that we can enter into his hands also because of what jesus has mm-hmm. done but this is also um not a cry of defeat but a cry of victory right where he says like i haven't been defeated it's i have true. now chosen mm-hmm. into thy hands i commend my spirit um the fight has been fought and won and, and that goes right into the very last line he says in mortality luke twenty three forty six, where he says it is finished right not his life but his mission that he came to redeem mankind Mm -hmm. is finished
1: the plan what was the plan of salvation it was jesus right and and jesus had to die on the cross in order for the plan to be put into effect backwards and forwards and everywhere it needed to and in that moment that plan was fulfilled it was finished finished
0: that is a line that should give hope to every christian everywhere in the world right that sin satan and death have been defeated Mm -hmm. they are done the dragon has been conquered so whatever is happening in a person's life uh, they can hear that line and know no your Mm -hmm. battle has already been fought and won it's finished Your, your salvation is no longer in the balance it's finished it's been paid for It is done. You can rest in righteousness Mm -hmm. because of of that line. And then um, the happy line, I promised, even though these have been kind of happy, they are statements from the cross, but really they show, every single one of them are are so hopeful. Mm -hmm. But here in Mark chapter 15, verse 38, um, is an interesting thing that happens. Um, You remember that the temple in those days was set up with... um, A courtyard and then a holy place and a most holy place, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant used to be kept. It was considered to be the throne room of God, the very presence of God himself. Um, Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies one day a year on Yom Kippur. Um, One person from one tribe of Israel one day a year could rent the veil and go into um, into that place. And after Jesus dies in Mark chapter 15, are you there? Mm -hmm. Maybe you could just read Um, that verse. Mark 15,
1: and it's, and it's verse 38. And it says, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom.
0: Right, which means this is a statement from heaven, right? It was not ripped from mortals up, but from heaven down. Once Jesus dies and the work is finished, now the veil covering the presence of God, covering his face, has been split. Now anyone and everyone, from any tribe of Israel, from any era of the history of the world, whoever they may be, whatever their past looks like, can now enter into the presence of God because of what was done, the work that was done on the cross, right? That end of Psalm 22 that, um, that you read for us, Where I love that line that says, they shall come and shall declare His righteousness, and to a people that shall be born. And I love that it is our I, our privilege to come mm-hmm. to the world and declare His goodness and His righteousness that He hath done this thing, mm-hmm. right? And because of it, all of us can have hope. We can have forgiveness. We can be taken care of. Um, we can find paradise can in, in, our, in our awful places. We can
1: overcome what seems unable to overcome it's just it is hope in the darkness right so and much goodness
0: how who else and how else could there be so much hope in one of the most awful scenes in history except it be with jesus right mm-hmm. and and he's here he's um among us he is emmanuel god is uh, uh, is with, with us. us his presence is here that's the story of of christianity mm-hmm. is that jesus finished the work Our salvation on the cross. Yeah, so
1: so good. Okay, see you next week.
0: This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.